he just went straight up to live. Okay, well, here's me in the corner of the screen. We need to get a member. It'll never work unless you put it. Here we go. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to all the geeks out there. Welcome to another Geek Inspired Podcast. On a Monday evening for you guys. We're early this time. Yeah, we're early. The sun is still out on our side only because, well, summer's here. The sun goes down in 11 anyway. But anyway, <laughs> we'd like to welcome a special guest, Liz Allen, on our right-hand side. Below us, our other host, Chunzi. And it's all different for you guys Everyone watching else. us on YouTube, but you'll, you'll, you'll get it. You'll understand. Welcome, welcome, Liz. How are you today? I am uh, in dire need of a haircut. <laughs> My hair has not been this long for at least... Uh, didn't get that last word, sorry. For at least 20 years, it has not been. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> I did, add, uh, actually, no, you've, there, there might be a question that might be later. I'll address the hair to later, t- should, the, should the question come up. Otherwise, I am very good. We're uh, the household safe and well. We are locked down, but uh, we are doing okay. Well, that's good. We haven't, good to hear. That's we haven't good. resorted to cannibalism yet. We're all good. <laughs> I don't think you guys can resort to alcoholism, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, alcohol. We we do have a very very stock bar, but I did say cannibalism, cannibalism. rather than alcoholism. Cannibalism. Yeah, Liz seems to be like cutting out every now and then, so like like yeah. letters yeah, that's are missing. Yeah. No, you I apologize. And assume that it was alcohol. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's where Zeus' head is always. Very He's much so. Got to get his VAT sixty nine in. Always there. He's like <laughs> some credit there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me just put that. Yeah. Okay, so we're live on stream. You need to ask questions instead of posting things. I'm changing this. <laughs> Well, why doesn't Les Allen give us a bit of a rundown about who he is and what he does in our geek culture space? Yes. Off to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can't hear us anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Mike. shake it um, you guys paused for quite some i don't know if you were talking about <laughs> we yeah. were talking about you <laughs> yes we were talking about you we were talking about you well we asked you uh what you do in the geek culture space <laughs> what is it you do all right geek culture space sorry i got the last bit of that i think what i might try and do is jump out on my connection back in a uh, yeah, sure. You can try that. Let me yeah. uh, let me jump out. Let me jump back in. Sure. Sure. I blame I blame you. But don't blame me. It's not my fault. <laughs> you what you said that we should keep technical difficulties. Well, I mean, it so the be universe then kept without technical difficulties. There is, there is, and those are the good days. This is now not a good day. <laughs> Starting on time, though. 
That's we did manage to start on time. Yeah. <laughs> we did manage to I start mean, on time. I mean, have you ever we actually started on time? Anybody in the Twitch chat there? Not yet. Not yet. Well, there's one person watching, but I think that's... Yeah, I have, I have a sneaky suspicion it's Keza as well. Give me your phone, please. No. I need... I actually need your phone. Well, I must. I must. I must improve my best. Uh, I'm just deleting chain. Hiding all your chain. No, I was just closing all of the stupid notifications that I get. Alright, so as boring as this may seem, we are... The Asa Geek. This is a Geek Inspired podcast, and on our right hand side is Geekoscopy, who happens to be Hello. the How are you? inventor of the Geek Inspired podcast. Indeed. We are just random hosts that he he thought would look good for the screen. Yeah. <laughs> look good. And Let's try. You guys got. We can hear you, yeah? Excellent. All right, so I've just switched my connect. Sorry. Hopefully this should be okay. For <laughs> he looks like a mine Minecraft no, character. No, <laughs> Liz Allen from Minecraft. <laughs> I have I have minimal, minimal experience. That's perfectly fine. We it's don't fine. Hear, that's it's fine. It happens. People yeah. can still see who you are. <laughs> people can see you. People can hear you. That's all that matters. Excellent. Even Excellent. if it's very minutes, we can still see Liz. Yes. So I apologize. I might have the uh, first question. No. Well, it's not your fault. Uh, technical difficulties happen. <laughs> <laughs> but we did ask you uh, to give us a rundown about who you are and what you do in our geek culture space. Lowly humble. Um, I work in the African space, icon, comics and games adventure. Um, he's cutting in and out. I run. Yeah. Cutting very heavily. I think it's the Discord. It might be. Um, you're pushed to talk. Is it, um. I am not. No, I'm choosing the audio. In. Switch that. How good is your microphone? Maybe your sensitivity is a bit too high. Microphone's normally pretty good. Yeah. A microphone's normally pretty good. Let me move that uh, audio sensitivity down. Yeah, is that any better? Sensitivity. Um, well, you'll have to speak for us to check. How's, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So I've dropped that. Uh, I've dropped the sensitivity quite a bit. Okay. You're coming through straight now. It, it probably yeah, was the sensitivity. Right yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. There we go. Okay. There we go. Live Technical tech support difficulties at work. Discord. <laughs> um, if it's not Twitch, it's Discord. It's not. Discord. It's always something. It's always OBS. something. It's not OBS. It's something yeah. else. Always something different. And the thing is, it was it was working relatively fine before, and then all of a sudden, like on live. <laughs> but yes, let's continue. Tell us about yourself. All right. So my uh, my geek involvements in South Africa are around Icon Comics and Games Convention, predominantly. Uh, I have been a co-director of Icon since 2015. Um, also run a company called Geek XP. Um, Geek XP has become more of a uh, an industry consulting company. 
working with other companies who are trying to touch on uh, geek audiences and how to deal with them, how to run events with them. Uh, I wear multiple hats. I'm also the head of business development for a platform called Discomics. Discomics is a sub-branch of the Discop event, Discop being a trade show where we look at uh, content, sell content selling, uh, buying and selling. So it's the largest um, TV content buying and selling platform across the continent. Um, and my role with Discomics is to help bring the pop culture aspect, um, that knowledge and understanding to Discop, to all the people who are looking to buy and sell content and help them understand the opportunities as far as geek content is concerned in that space. So I wear multiple hats mm -hmm. in the geek space. Mm -hmm. on the, I mean, that sounds really interesting on that point. Like what are some of the challenges that you are faced with trying to, you know, sell this, this niche to people who might not necessarily understand? Um, and how do you go about um, convincing them? It's, occasionally not easy as as a lot of geeks can understand when they're trying to to share their passion or share their interest with somebody who doesn't really understand the culture doesn't really understand the space uh so part of the 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 biggest challenge is to find a framework for understanding and at the at the very least um it's if you don't understand it it doesn't matter because it's here you just need to accept that it's here and accept that the numbers are there, accept that the reach is there and accept that the potential is there. But generally it's trying to find a relatable framework. Um, I'm a, I'm a long time comics fan. I grew up on X-Men. Um, I had a massive X-Men collection. Um, and when people would say, well, why are you reading comics? It's a, uh, it's a childish, it's a childish pastime you try to relate what you're seeing in this comics to something that the person could understand. So you could say, well, look, the artwork is amazing. This is drawn by adults. This is great. But, well, no, it's still childish. Well, the stories are amazing. Well, it's still, it's still a comic book. This thing's worth $10,000. Then all of a sudden people have a framework to understand it. And, oh, if this thing is worth a lot, okay, cool. That provides with some sort of validity. So when you start talking, um, when it comes to geek content, uh, remember in, the, in this particular environment that we're talking about where people are buying and selling TV shows, to tell them that uh, an eSports final attracted 150 million viewers, that's a number that they can then relate to. So it, the biggest challenge is finding a way for your the people who might be interested in this to understand how big it is what the opportunities are and how try to find a relatable model if that makes sense okay so you know, i'm guessing it's a lot about trying to speak their language i suppose and and you know understand yeah that's that's are. key that's point number one in communication how mm. i'm trying to get a message across communication is a is a, is a two-part thing it's I'm trying to convey a message to be understood. If you're not understood, how does that, then it doesn't matter what you're saying if you're not being understood. So you've got to find a way to get this message across about these opportunities and what it represents and what can be done. Mm. 
Indeed. Quite interesting. So how did you manage to uh, get into Icon? Uh, How did that come about? How did I manage to get into Icon? Well, it it helps that I knew the original, uh, one of the guys who's been running it for (laughs) more than 20 years. Uh, We were, (laughs) yeah, Grant Charlton. um, Grant Charlton did not start Icon. Uh, It started in 1992, but Grant was there when it started and then took over the running of it I think in either 93 or 94. So Grant has been running Icon as a, probably as a baby. He started it when it was a, he helped it when it was a toddler and took it all the way through into its early 20s. And as the geek landscape had started changing, as things, um, as more events started showing up, I, I basically said to Grant, look, you've, you've got the longest running pop culture event in africa not just south africa in africa it's time for icon to maybe take a step up um a lot of people had always given grand advice oh you should do this you should do this you should do this i happened at the time to be in a position to be able to help uh from a management financial perspective to help icon take a step up to become more of a um, a full-scale convention um, it's always had its its fans, its longtime fans. It's a multi generational event. The people who were sixteen at the first Icon are now in their early forties to mid forties, um, and they've got kids. Geek parents tend to raise geek kids, so now they want to show them the things that they enjoy. And and Icon represented that. And, uh, as I mentioned, I was at a t- I was at a point where I was fortunate enough to have the financial ability to help. And the reason for and the reason for getting involved, um, I was at a stage where if I wanted to go to San Diego Comic Con, I could. If I wanted to go to Gen Con, I could. If I wanted to go to a convention in Australia, I could. And every time I left to go overseas, my geek friends in South Africa would hate me because uh, you're getting to do this cool thing. And it got to a point where it's all right. Well, what can we do? Geek XP's origin was actually to try and get people. Uh, to organize competitions for people to go overseas. Our first uh, event that we were at was at uh, Rage in uh, 2015. And we sent a couple of people to Japan to a Studio Ghibli tour. Um, And then I realized, well, you can send one person, you can send two people, or you could try and get the sort of experiences that I'm enjoying at conventions overseas and bring them to SA. So that was where the impetus came from, rather try and bring a bit of the overseas conventions and what they're doing to South Africa and let everybody enjoy. That makes sense. Um, So talking about the the Geek XP thing, Mm -hmm. it's not on the questions of anything like that, but I just remember from one of of the first, um, I think it was one of the first Geek Fest we attended, where you guys mm-hmm. used to have that booth and people used to do the the questionnaires and the the um, treasure hunt or some mm-hmm. what it was called. I think that was sort of like a treasure hunt. Are yep. you still doing that? Is it an idea to bring that back to the events or? That was an idea called yeah. That was an idea called the Great Geek Challenge, and we partnered with the Geek of All Trades podcast. Uh, the Geek of All Trades team put together that, uh, as you say, 
pretty much a treasure hunt. It was an achievement list to go around. They were they would help coordinate with the stall holders at Geekfest. Um, and the, the initiative was to drive people to get to stalls. Get to a stall, ask a question, interact with that stall holder in some way, and you received an achievement. They would have to sign it off on the sheet. So it was very much a collab, um, but Geek of All Trades was a driving force behind it. Uh, Geek XP helped provide a, a focal point to come through and submit your questions and answers. And we then moved that onto Icon as well. Um, it's just, it's, it's always something that'll be uh, a potential as a lot of these things are, it just comes down to uh, time and ability uh, to be able to get these things done. Yeah, it is true, it is true. So, laughing, this is my favorite, favorite one with you. Sure. What, what got you involved in, in laughing? And um, Kiz's favorite part would be uh, your favorite character in class. What are they? <laughs> okay. All right. LARPing, for those who don't know, is uh, uh, is an acronym for live action role play. I played Dungeons and Dragons from the age of 16. Um, spent, uh, misspent. No, actually not misspent. I enjoyed every second of it. Um, full weekend. So it would be like Friday night, Saturday night into Sunday. Uh, we'd have these extra long Dungeons and Dragons sessions. Uh I am originally Australian. I immigrated to South Africa in 2002. And around about 2006, I started trying to find my tribe here in South Africa. Um, where, where are my geek people? Where, who, are the, who are the gamers? Who are the role players? Um, in Pretoria, Johannesburg, it's, it's a very small group that everybody knows everybody else. There are certain focal points. Grant Charlton, who runs Outer Limits and uh, now at Nexus, he was one of those focal points where this is where you go to get your stuff. Um, so in two, around about 2006, 2007, I started finding groups of people to role play with that moved into collectible card games like Magic the Gathering, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. And it was through that some people had found a rule set to to do a live action version effectively of dungeons and dragons um where you could spend the entire weekend in character pretending to be your character rather than just playing with dice and paper so they hit me for the first couple of events and i politely declined and then come the third event uh when they ironed out the kinks of how things ran um i signed up um one of the uh one of the things that I like about the character classes that I play is I'm very much a I'm very much a team person. It doesn't matter what you do if the team is working cool, then the team achieves. Um, there is no I in team, but there is a me. Uh, team is made up of a lot of me's. Um, so when it comes to when it came to lapping, uh, and a lot of the characters that I play. I like to help with control aspects. So lock down that character, lock down this, control the options that people have when it comes to playing. Um, so I chose a character class in the LARP called a Templar, which is a little bit of fighty and a little bit of spellcasting. So in, uh, in LARPing, in most systems, there's either a standard rogue um, class, a fighter class, a wizard class, or a... Um, 
uh, or a mix. You can take a little bit of everything. So I like to be a bit more versatile, um, and I like to do the control lockdown. So my character, that's what he specialized in. He specialized in spells that stopped people, froze people, charmed people to try and help lock down on the battlefield what was happening so that other people could then take advantage. Um, because I joined at the third event, they, the people who are running it, a, 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 a quick background of how LARPing works, you need a team of people to declare the stories, to come up with the ideas of how the adventures would happen. And in an event, you might have anywhere from 50 to 100 people playing at various times during the day. Some of those players would be the monsters and everybody else gets to wail on the monsters to fight. And then for three hours, that session runs. Then the next three hours, those people will shift around. But there's a there needs to be a very strong story team to organize the stories and the adventures and how these things are happening. Um, and by the time I got involved, the, the story teams had already done really well in laying out, okay, this is how this thing works. And for the entire weekend, you just get to go away and actually be the character rather than just sitting down and role-playing. So it has a little bit of cosplay aspect to it which is very cool um and and you can go as far as you like uh with that aspect one of the characters that i one of the people i play with she paints her body green she has a paint compressor uses green paint she has mm. prosthetic teeth made that she and she turns herself into an orc um that's, that's and it's very cool yeah. that, that it's big for them, but it, yeah. it helps lend the flavor of, yeah. all right, if this person's doing this to get into this, it helps create the authenticity in the yeah. moment. And yeah. that's what uh, that's what helps make the story a bit more rich. So, so what, what are the... Yeah, so, uh, go ahead. What are the... Like, yeah, what do you get out of um, the tabletop experience that's different from the LARPing experience? Tabletop experience... Um, is a lot more compressed uh, in a three-hour session on tabletop. All of a sudden, you've gone from this town to this town to this town. You can do months of gaming inside of uh, a three-hour three-hour session. You can just say time passes and make that sort of assumption. Tabletop gaming it has to be a lot more um, in your in your own mind. So mm -hmm. what you come up with in your own mind is always going to be better than what anybody else can can do or make. So that is that's part of the tabletop experience that it's all about how rich you can make this in your own mind okay whereas the sure. the lapping is like it's like visceral it's like real it's like lapping is visceral it, but it also it also lends itself very much to deep sense of achievement um mm. as a as an example my uh, my girlfriend is she works in the banking industry. She's very high up in the banking industry, um, very straight-laced. On the weekend, she will dress up as a barbarian or an elf or a wizard and run around a forest doing these things. Mm -hmm. Now, she'd be mortified to find anybody at her work knowing that this is what she did because it's very much her. She's in a corporate environment. It's very much about perception. But... Um, she, as a uh, as a barbarian, she started up a, gr a group with uh, some other people. And they were very low level, so they didn't have a lot of hit points or anything like that or a lot of abilities. And there was a, a moment 
where they all went out as a group to fight certain monsters and they were getting wiped. She was the last person standing and she said that. Yeah. She remembered that she had a particular ability that uh, barbarians have where once per combat, she can channel everything into one massive hit that get, does a lot of damage. She remembered that at the last minute, hit this thing, took it down. So she was the survivor. She saved the rest of her people and she got to beat the monster. And when it's when you're actually holding a sword and you're trying to hit somebody who has a shield and really doesn't want to be hit, it's different to just rolling a dice and going, yes, you hit or yes, you didn't hit. You actually have to physically do this. And that gives a sense of achievement that's a little bit different uh, because you've got to do it. You've got to do the running around. Um, mm. And that's, yeah, if you speak to any LARPers and ask them what their favorite stories are, it's all about these, holy crap, we were up against 100 monsters and we managed to pull it out mm. and it was a hectic fight. It's, it's a visceral level of achievement. It's a physical level of achievement. Mm. Mm. That's really cool. If you could only choose one of them to do for the rest of your life, which would you choose, LARPing or tabletop? I had to pick one. I would. I would shoot you. <laughs> it's almost like uh, option C. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Kirk with his uh, Kobayashi Maru yeah, situation. D and D playing tabletop. Um, it allows for more. Mm. Um, it allows. It allows to do more and play more and change the things. The thing with LARPing is it doesn't have to be medieval fantasy. You can have a vampire larp you mm. can have a futuristic larp mm. you can have an urban fantasy so if those uh fans of things like uh jim butcher and harry dresden mm. that's a larp that can be had um the vampire the masquerade larps tend to be more political rather than combatty uh but all of that's possible in the tabletop as well you it's just a matter of which uh which flavor you want to pick um and you can have a role-playing team, a role-playing session every night of the week. Whereas LARPing, it's a physical thing, so it's just easier. I can get more gaming done mm. from a tabletop perspective. But I would, I would hate you for making me make that choice. <laughs> well, it might not be me. It might be some alien species that comes and makes you choose. Yes, <laughs> it might be COVID nineteen lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. Uh, we're on Discord right now. So on Monday nights, I normally play a role-playing campaign with mm. various friends and it'll play for two to three months and then we'll change it around. So tonight I'm giving it a skip to join, to join you guys. Cause you, cause we're polite enough to invite oh, me. Thank you. Um, oh no, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. Monday night is one game. Thursday nights is another game Friday nights with mm. discord and with platforms like roll 20. Mm. Now it doesn't matter. You can have yeah. multiple sessions a week. So, mm. It'll be easier to do a tabletop campaign yeah. Um, yeah. and tabletop role-playing than yeah. it would be to do LARP. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's getting even easier now with D&D Beyond and Discord now has a bot array that inc that incorporates D&D Beyond into it. There's Fancy mm. Grounds, yes. there's Tabletop Simulator. There's so many ways to play D&D right now. Yeah. It's probably the most accessible it's ever been. Um, and the cool thing is that it doesn't matter where people are. We've mm. had people leave our campaign uh, because they've immigrated, but mm. now we're trying. It's it's just a matter of time zones. It's mm. yeah. There we go. Two hours. Mm. Uh, you guys, one hour or two hours behind? Uh, uh, yeah, one hour. 
So yeah. west east coast of New York is six hours behind. Mm. Uh, Sean Isaacs, the the local artist, mm. he plays online with people in other time zones. Mm. It it just happens. You can have people from all around mm. the world, friends from around the world, strangers from around the world that you can just connect in and have a best of breed and a best of people um, in these uh, in these spaces, and it's great. Mm. Well, bringing up COVID nineteen, I think we should uh, address the elephant in the room. How is sure. how is COVID nineteen affecting <laughs> how is COVID nineteen affecting um, things like Icon and other conventions and general geek culture that you know about? Yeah. There is a convention in San Diego. Uh, it's actually started by the uh, some of the team that helped build San Diego Comic Con. It was called San Diego Comic Fest. And they normally run uh, March. I'm just checking my calendar. San Diego Comic Fest. Yeah, early early March, mid March. Um, they were the week before Emerald City Comic Con, and one guest pulled out because of COVID nineteen. This was early March in the United States. Um, one guest pulled out. Everybody else did, but a week, two weeks before Emerald City Comic Con was when. Seattle and Washington State got hit really hard. And somebody made the comment that San Diego Comic Fest was the last event for the year. And everyone, well, yeah, maybe that's uh, that sounds a bit rough. But already now, the announcement has been made that San Diego Comic Con, not happening this year. Anime Expo, not happening this year. Uh... There's uh, Comic-Con Cape Town, not happening. It was supposed to have already run, mm. not happening. Um, the Rand Show. The Rand Show has reinvented itself um, with a very, very deep focus on geek and pop culture uh, by incorporating the Rush platform, uh, Rush Esports by the NAG team. That's not happening. So already... And unfortunately, the United States, some people just are not taking it seriously and are trying to get things open again. The more that happens, the longer the shutdown is just going to happen. So events worldwide, Kenichi in Germany, not happening. It's uh, Annecy, uh, the animation festival, not happening. Uh, it's going to... Uh, it's going to cause a big issue at the back end of the year. Remember, conventions happen mostly over a weekend. Mm. There's only 52 of those in a year. So pop culture events, if you take six months worth of pop culture events and try to cram them into two to three months at the end of the year, there will just not be the space to handle all of the events. Mm. It's just that simple. No, so the choice has to be made uh, from a lot of them is like, are we going to take the hit? Because we just don't know. We don't want uh, people's, we don't want people's lives at stake. Mm. Yeah, we can come and have fun, but we can get together on Discord and we can have fun as well. Mm. Uh, so WonderCon, WonderCon is run by the same people who do San Diego Comic Con, a company called Comic Con International. WonderCon got cancelled, and then they said, right, we're going to go virtual. We can run sessions. One of the big things that I enjoyed about doing conventions overseas that I wanted to bring to South Africa was panels mm. sitting down having an opportunity to talk to people hearing them have a chat 
and sharing their stories, etc. You can now do that online. You can have it's it's just an extension of streaming, really. Hmm. So exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So you've got conventions that will be struggling to find space. You're going to have alternatives being explored. So now they'll start with virtual passes and that sort of thing online. So um, I, it looks like that for at least the next six months, the convention scene uh, globally is going to be rough. Because take, take the United States and take Germany. Um, uh, often, like they, they fill spots number one and number two when it comes to international travel. If the United States is still messing around with infections, no other country is going to let United States citizens in. So the conventions and those sorts of things that rely on bigger crowds, that rely on lots and lots of people, just may not want to have them. So for the next four to six months, there's going to be this wait-and-see approach, and unfortunately, it has to be that way. Mm. Yeah. That's really, really it's sad. a lot of uncertainty still, and uh, we don't know That being said, is um, the virtual route something you guys are looking at doing for Icon, or are you going to move it to next year or later this year? What would be your approach for that? Because you're obviously affected with all of this as well. We're at the at the moment. Uh, we was part of the reason for the delay in the announcement for Icon's dates was you cannot make an announcement until you have signed um, an agreement with the venue. You can't say we will be at Empress Palace unless you actually have a signed document. And sometimes those things take a bit longer to get done. Uh, we're probably going to follow our brethren with Icon by the Sea and just chill for the year this thing is affecting especially with the, the smaller conventions because smaller conventions don't have the resources like a reed that can still pay salaries that can still um run run a ship a lot of the people that organize these events on a smaller scale have now lost income they've now lost um they've lost income they've lost uh, they've lost business so trying to get that thing organized, there are companies that have bigger resources. Um, we were looking at other ways to help inside the community with other events. Um, but unfortunately, because of all the lockdowns, that uh, that's now shut down. So we're probably going to go the hiatus route for this year and just take some time, reset, and come back next year with a bigger option. Oh, well, there you go. The from, from, from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Um, just sad because uh, you know what? It's fine because we can't get there, so it's yeah. Fine. We, we can't come <laughs> so it's fine. You know, we were like, Stay on our it works out okay. for you guys because you got more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We realize we realize we're not able to make the comms this year because we just we, we don't have the cash because we're we saving up most of our money to get the rest of our stuff mm. along with our bets. Right. Mm. Mm. So the South, Af the South African convention theme. The South African convention theme is a bit topsy-turvy right now uh i've spoken to i've been i've been on interviews before where we've discussed the economics of conventions and what that means and um and everything that goes into that 
the South African convention scene for the last couple of years is now in in a state of flux because it's it's we just don't have the resources we don't have the scope to have uh events in close proximity and so we want to take some time and see what's happening see what's going on and make sure that we do right by the people who've been coming to icon for more than 20 years for a lot of for a lot of icons fans it's i want a weekend away where i can just role play and that's cool Mm. And we've got to find a way to to help with that right now. Uh, so we may look at a virtual option, maybe. We just need to see where where things are happening. Yeah. Okay. So we'd just like to say a couple of hellos. Say hi to yeah. Silverback. AKA Jonathan. AKA so Jonathan. Uh, and uh, Rick it Ralph. AKA Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, Jonathan said he would love to see how a virtual con could work, depending on how it's done. Um, either way, it would be quite interesting. Yeah. The, the only way you can really, I mean, a virtual con at present is what you're seeing now. It's live streaming. It's people interviewing. Obviously, people have to isolate. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the, uh, if you watch a lot of esports, but currently the, the Dota ESL1 uh, competition that was running, it was running out of LA, but for the European and Russian teams. So they had to be up at 4 a.m. to handle the time zone differences because they're in Los Angeles. So that's 10 hours behind, nine hours behind where we are now. But those people were all in a studio and that's just not possible for a lot of people. Um, so having... People like yourselves. We've got a host in Durban. We've got a host in the UK. And then we've got the talent somewhere else. I'm not saying I'm the talent, but you've got the talent that would be in a panel. Well, thank you. Um, so how a, how a virtual convention would go would be a lot like this. Um, payment, putting it behind a paywall, would probably be a little bit of an issue. So it would rather be... Uh, take donations like on a twitch on a twitch model to uh, donations or patreon those sorts of things this is what you're looking at this is how a virtual convention would run mm. yeah. inspired podcast convention yeah. <laughs> absolutely so that, gip yes. yeah there's not a problem with that you could have you could have a day where like you 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 um the good folks were behind one of the really cool initiatives at Nexus Hub, which was Creators United. Hmm. Um, that Creators United is an example hmm. of a convention. It's a convention model. You had streamers who were for 24 hours doing their own channels, but you had a central point where those streamers could come in and hmm. deliver stuff. Yeah. That is a virtual con where you have a host panel, a main panel, or even just a talking desk where they're talking about all the different streams that are happening. So go into this channel and you'll have a chat with Jim Lee who's talking about DC Comics and their new moves around distribution. But if you go over to so-and-so's channel, you can watch somebody draw something because that's happening right now through Twitter. A lot of creators are doing that. They're going onto Twitter and going, cool, I'm stuck at home. I'll do a live draw. A virtual convention is just somebody organizing all of that together. Um, 
And it's, it's like a, an amalgam of podcasting, live streaming, and interviewing. That's really awesome. So, yes. WCS. Ah. How, World Cosplay Summit. How ah. did you decide to incorporate World Cosplay Summit into Icon and well, yeah, basically, what was the reason for wanting to bring that here? Sure. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, so... Yeah. We're in Scotland. <laughs> bring it there. Right, so World, World Cosplay Summit, for those who are not familiar, World Cosplay Summit is the biggest cosplay competition globally. Uh, 40 countries or more every year send a team. Now, it's got to be two people. They send a team to Japan to compete on a world stage. And it also takes cosplay to its fullest in that it has a performance component. You must create the costume, but you must also embody that character in a two, two and a half minute skit. Uh, Icon was the first convention in South Africa, at least, to run a cosplay competition. Uh, I think it was around 2000 and 2008. Charlton would know the official date, but Icon ran the country's first cosplay competition where we had people turning up at uh, the convention in costume anyway, so we'll make it into a, co uh, into a competition. <clears throat> so as we moved Icon to a bigger scale, uh, we were looking for a cool competition. We ran a competition in 2016, which was live streamed. We had the first live stream of the cosplay competition, and we also t had the top 10, um, the finalists, we had that turned into a calendar. So we actually had a uh, Icon 2017 calendar, and the photos that were in there were all of the winners, the top 10 winners from 2016. And it was around that time that we're thinking, well, we could do this, but there are big competitions that we could potentially be a part of. And... A couple of people, a couple of cosplayers had suggested why not look at World Cosplay Summit. Um, and we sent a mail saying, hey, we would look to be interested. And it turns out a couple of other events had also sent out the same mail to World Cosplay Summit. <clears throat> and the thing about WCS is that you must be invited. So you don't ask. You can let them know and they can have discussions but you must be invited by the Japanese committee mm. to be part of it. So we had some conversations, we had some very nice conversations, and we understood what their role was, what they were trying to achieve. Uh, right now, they've got a very good initiative called uh, Cosplay at Home, rather than Cosplay at Home. It's Cosplay at Home, Cosplay at Home, and the other hashtag is Takukos, which is Home Cos. Uh, WCS takes what's possible with cosplay very very seriously and they want it to bring people together from around the world um so they've got that initiative running they're very cognizant of their role we had a chat to them they came back to us and said we would like to formally invite south africa to be a part of it nice and it it extended from the same idea behind icon the experiences that i got to have when i go to conventions overseas I wanted to help bring those opportunities for people here. So by being part of a global a global competition, South African cosplayers can now get that sort of exposure. Uh, 
to go over the world and have hundreds of thousands of people watch them perform, see their see their photos, see their craftsmanship. So we wanted to give South African cosplays because we know that there are, there is a top level of cosplays here that are world class. Uh, Jinx Kitty, what she did with uh, that. Um, uh, eat you, eat you. Yeah. That costume was ridiculous. I know the effort that she and Mao put in for um, their Legend of Zelda cosplay performance for World Cosplay Summit. And uh, Kimpatsu. It's just ridiculous levels of skill. And I wanted to help provide that opportunity to get them to compete on a bigger scale. And World Cosplay Summit was the was the opportunity there. Is it still going to go ahead? I know it's it's supposed to be coming up soon, but obviously with it's, all the restrictions in it. Typically, World Cosplay Summit runs at the end of July into the first week of August. So if you think about the San Diego Comic-Con dates, WCS would start immediately the week after. That's, that's where they run. Uh, right now, no official announcement's been made. We're, we're moving along as if things would be okay. Um, but no official announcement has come out yet. Uh, Japan has started doing some things now about locking down over COVID-19. Um, the Olympics have been postponed. Um, but part of, part of that is because of extended lockdowns in countries, athletes are not going to get the opportunities to train the way that they should. So the Olympics would not have people performing at their best. So rather, let's push it back and give people time to uh, to get to their best. Um, so right now, nothing has been formally announced. Um, Release the Geek, how did that come about? Your very own podcast show <laughs> don't know he's a fellow podcaster too <laughs> so release the geek uh the release the geek origin story um was actually inspired by uh the nerdist podcast uh for those who who remember the nerdist podcast the nerdist podcast um had uh henry rollins i don't know if you know henry rollins he's a very well known um, hardcore punk um, singer. He now does a lot of speaking tours. He does his own podcast as well. Uh, I can tell you the the moment, the idea for Release the Geek and how it started. I was sitting in traffic, driving to work, listening to Henry Rollins tell the most ridiculous story ever. Rollins was um, a big, is a big fan of Iggy Pop. Uh, and he was given the opportunity and he's telling the story that he was given the opportunity to perform on the same stage as Iggy Pop. He was going to be the lead in act and Rollins is very known for being wired 110%, lots of energy, lots of screaming. So finding out that he was going to be performing right in front of his idol, uh, was a big opportunity for him. So he got into training. He got himself so utterly fit. Uh, he prepped himself, goes out on the stage. It was a, I believe, concert in the UK. 
and he gave it everything. The crowd was going berserk and he was physically exhausted. He'd given every ounce of energy into his performance. As he walks off stage, Iggy Pop nods to him. So that was pretty good. I was like, holy crap, my idol has just told me I did, I did, I did good. Hmm. Iggy went out and turned it up to 11. <laughs> he, he went berserk. At one point, he had the crowd come up on stage. They trashed all the plants. <laughs> they, he just went off. And, he, and it, Henry said that he was standing off to the side, just his mouth open, watching this man turning it up to 11. And he finished with throwing a guitar straight up over his head, not looking at where it was going to land, and screaming the final note into the microphone. The guitar missed him by two inches, smashed onto the stage behind him into a shower of sparks. The crowd lost its mind. <laughs> Iggy walks off stage, and he makes a beeline straight to Henry, and Henry's standing there aghast. And he said, you did really, really good, but no one outperforms me. <laughs> Now, that story took about 10 minutes to tell. And as I'm sitting with my headphones in the car listening to this story going, I want to be on the other side of that. I, I want to have that conversation with cool people because it happens all the time in geek culture. You'll start relaying the stories about your D&D adventures. You'll start relaying the stories about how this thing started. Why, why did these things come about? What were your amazing experiences? And I said, I want to be the other side of that. Now, my day job at the time was as a, um, a trainer facilitator. Uh, so I've got a background in, in training. Um, Kerry, Kerry would know. Uh, as, it, as it just so happens, Kerry would know. Um, and part of what I could do really well was help channel and communicate and try and get the information out that I need so that I could give the information that they need. So I, I'm, I'm okay with asking questions and helping build a narrative. So I wanted to do that. And I thought, well, how do I do it? And I, I mentioned it to a group of friends, and one of those friends who I had no idea what he did for a day job, I knew him from the LARP community, actually, and the role-playing community. I said, I'm gonna start a podcast. He said, I'd love to help. I said, dude, cool, what can you do? He said, well, I'm a sound engineer. Okay, well, that's now I've got a sound engineer. Hmm. And um, Vittorio Leonardi, the comedian, is a, is a good friend of mine. And we had, we've always had great conversations, great repartee. And I thought, this is, a, this is somebody that I would like to have alongside me to ask these questions. So that was the impetus that I wanted to ask these questions. And then as the idea grew, I realized that it's easier to ask a famous person to be a guest on a podcast than just appearing to be a stalker. Hey, I'd like to sit down and talk to you for an hour over coffee. Would that be okay? <laughs> <laughs> or you could say, hey, I run a podcast. We've been running for five years. I've interviewed Remedy Feist. I've interviewed Candace McClure from Battlestar Galactica. I've interviewed Jim Zub. I've interviewed Megan Marie. I've interviewed 
top line comics people, Brian Habilin, uh, one of the creators behind Witchblade. Um, the moment you get a couple of names, they become your co-pegs for the next interview. So you can say to somebody, hey, I've already interviewed this. So all you need to do is work up, and it's not hard to do. Um, Vittorio Leonardi is a comedian. So through Vittorio, we got to do Mel Miller, who's, who's an incredibly well-known and famous comedian inside of South Africa. Through Vic, we interviewed John Flismus. The John Flismus interview was quite surprising. For those who know John as a uh, comedian, he's quite raw. He operates uh, very blue, uh, does not mind the swearies at all. And so when we interviewed him, the first question, the first question that we ask normally on Release the Geek is like, what do you geek out about? Are you a geek? What do you geek out about? And his response was art and technology. Oh, the interview then went that way. We ended up talking about the potential for technology to affect comedy. Say you had the ability to monitor through maybe an optical implant or something, the pulse rate and the body temperature of everybody in the room. A comedian can use that to know when to deliver the right punchline. <laughs> it became every bit of, of 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 natural comedy out of it, though, doesn't it? You've got to get them to that point. That's that's one thing you've got to do. You can be formulaic and you can map that. Yes, this is this is the right time to deliver. But you need, and that's what makes good comedians good comedians, that they have an ability to read the room, know when to deliver the right punchline. But I was, I never expected when speaking to John Flismus that we'd be talking about like um, advanced bioengineering to be able to aid as far hmm. as comedy was concerned. Comedy is performance art. It wasn't what I expected. So that's where Release the Geek came from, that we wanted to be, I wanted to have that conversation. I wanted to be on, on the other side of the cool stories over coffee. And once you get a name that agrees, then you can use that as authenticity. To say that we've got 150-odd podcasts in the can now, um, then it's not a fly-by-night operation. Here are some legit names that we've interviewed. Um, it helps give that credibility to be able to ask for the next one. So yeah. if anybody was looking to do this, the only, like you guys, the, the only thing that I can suggest is keep doing more of them. Because the more you do, it adds to your body of work. You get more skill in handling tech, like, I had to drop off this call for to switch over to another network so that we could stream together. Now, has that happened to you guys before? How do you handle that sort of drop? These are the things, um, uh, I apologize, I'm gonna digress a little bit. In um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, um, Outliers, he talks about the Beatles. When the Beatles started, they were crap. They were absolute garbage. Mm. And all they could do was play on the weekends at certain pubs in Liverpool. 
through the machinations of their manager, they got a gig in Germany as the house band. I believe it was at a strip club or a gentleman's club. <laughs> but they were then required to play. They were then required to play eight hours a day. By the time they finished that, there was nothing that had gone wrong that they weren't they they hadn't experienced, and they knew how to adapt. So by the time they got to the U.S., they were polished. Because when you have to sing and play eight to ten hours, you can't play the same stuff. You've got to learn something new. Something's going to go wrong. How do you adapt? I dropped out on my call. How did you guys adapt? Next time it happens, you'll know what to do. So anybody who is looking at creating cool content, I humbly endorse, emphatically endorse, podcasts, streaming, doing these sorts of interviews. Even if you're not getting a big name, you can you can leverage what you're already doing. You can leverage the people that you know who've got cool stories and bring them in, and it's just going to add to your body of work and your experience. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I have that same um, attitude because I've been doing content creation since 2015. I started nice. off just, just writing blogs, then it went on to audio, then it went on to video, mm -hmm. and now it's like a combination of everything. And each thing you do teaches you something, um, each piece of work. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. like it's never always totally, totally pointless as long as you learn something from mm. it so i'm with you there's, um, yeah there's a, a gentleman uh chetan narula uh it's a name that most of you probably won't recognize um i like my cricket i am australian sorry i like my cricket <laughs> uh chetan narula is a is an indian uh cricket journalist and i was listening to the radio 2000 uh, coverage of cricket and Chetan was in the box talking to the other commentators and he had some really good insights and it triggered the idea of Indian cricket fans are probably the most passionate fans of any fan base in the world. Hmm. He's a guy <laughs> that's in country right now and he's a cricket journalist so he knows the cricket scene. I want to ask him that question. What makes Indian cricket fans the most passionate in the world? And he said, yep, I'd be happy to have this. I've got a 40-minute window this afternoon after the Joburg test. We recorded that interview in a noisy mug and bean in Santon City. <laughs> um, and he had a 40-odd-minute window, but he was able to tell me why. What is it that makes Indian fans go absolutely bonkers when they're in the ground? And... It was amazing, it's, and I hadn't thought of these things, that there are more than 12, I think there's 12 to 15 official test venues in India. Now, the team may only play six in a year, and some of those are, are cities that you can't miss out on. So they might play six to eight tests, so that means your chance of seeing the Indian team may only come every three years. Hmm. So when you get a ticket, you're going to be passionate. You're going to give it, you're all supporting mm. your team. Mm. I was like, wow, I hadn't thought of these logistical issues behind it. Mm. And that thing out of nowhere has now given me the base of looking at things differently. And I got 
to Chetan through a friend who, who works in the cricket commentary team. Um, so, yeah, that you can have so much fun creating the content. And you can start creating the content you like and hope that other people like it. If they don't, find your tribe. Find the 100 people around the world who think the way you do, who like the things you do, and are enjoying the thing that you're putting out. And that that sort of fan base, when you start finding them, is very, very cool because those are the ones that are there authentically and for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So just just a, a side note, Chad. The reason why she pointed at me is because uh, the whole He's strip club. He's playing at an extra club. The whole strip club thing. We had a gig there once. My brother my brother and myself are in a band. We... we we played at a strip club back in South Africa. It was a it was a strip club that was changed into a bar. Which was but they still had strip the strip club. I, I played as a lead singer of this band in front of a strip pole. I actually thought of grabbing onto the thing and just putting it around <laughs> it. For no reason other than the fact that it's there. <laughs> this is something I did not know about you. This <laughs> no, is great. No one really does. It was an embarrassing gig. I mean, you know, a whole like five people watched us and yeah, it wasn't the greatest gig ever, I can tell you that. <laughs> but it makes now for a great story. Yeah. It does. It does. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Yannis, mm. I've, I've come across uh, both of you. When I say both of you, I mean the SA Geeks, Yannis. I've come across you at conventions where you're doing what I'm doing. You're doing the hustle to try and get an interview, to try and make the content. Yannis, give me, give me a story where it was holy crap that thing was amazing because i've seen you at comic-con i've seen yeah. you at rage yeah. you must yeah. have a story which is that thing went left field i have yeah. no idea how that happened give yeah. me a story yeah. um jeez i mean th- there's quite a lot um what like like one of the things i like to focus on is is just when you when you're interviewing people like they're just so appreciative that you are talking to them in the first place you know so like it's it's like by interviewing them you're like kind of providing them a service you're probably providing them with like validation um Mm -hmm. and just like sometimes they are so appreciative that they will like just hand you things you know yeah in 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 honor of that and like so so then it's like the cycle of gratitude and like you know the relationship builds up over time and Um, yeah. so it's it's just like just doing this type of thing just your your network just builds up people become yes. appreciative of you you build mm-hmm. connections so yeah like and and, and it's weird because like at, at one point you'd be like okay I, I interviewed I interviewed a local board game developer Rob Acton and we had this amazing interview about um, his game and how he got into it and stuff and then uh, I was really happy to just get the interview and I walked away and like he came running behind me after that and he was like oh thank you for you know showing interest here's a copy of the board oh. game and nice. you know, you know I've, I've played that board game quite a few times now and I've gotten quite yeah. a bit of enjoyment out of it and me and Rob you know try and connect uh, a couple of times and um, I'm hoping to work with them in the future and stuff like that. So it's it's just building up these relationships um, is is really cool. And it's like it's about fun stuff. It's about stuff that you enjoy. It's about stuff you like. Yeah. Talking about and that's what's really yeah. cool about it. Yeah. If I may riff on that just yeah. just for a second. Sure. Uh, 
the number one thing, uh, every single person in the world, not every single person, the majority of people, their favorite topic in the world is them. Is them, yeah. You get that from customer service. You get that from uh, working in call centers and stuff like that. It's one of the things they, they, they teach you about communication with people. So uh, it's, it, is a, it is a bugbear of mine. I cringe. I know, it, but it, I know it's my bugbear, but it's a bugbear. Uh, I do not like interviewers with the, what I call the optometrist syndrome. Interesting. Elaborate. Every sentence starting with I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm here. To, if I'm sitting mm. down talking to mm. Feist, I want to hear from him. I'm asking questions. You guys don't want to hear about how I read his books walking to school when I was 16. It might make for a better story. But I got mm. Raymond Feist on the other side of this. I want to hear him. So content where the interviewers are trying, where they're connecting with their guest a little bit and trying to share stuff from them, cool. It may have its place, but leave the eyes out. Mm. Uh, I agree with this. Don't you, I'm not interested whether you agree. I want to hear what that person on the other side yeah. is saying about something, and I want to know if I agree with them. Mm. So if you are making content, avoid optometrist syndrome completely drop the eyes you can you can find a way to phrase mm. the question that doesn't involve you yeah. Yeah. so you could say some people have this reaction then you're then it's not it's not from you it's you can phrase it in a different way so it's a it's a particular bugbear i apologize yeah. no 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 that's a very interesting point and i suppose it's a good lesson yeah. for everybody to learn you know lesson, yeah. yeah sometimes it's 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 very annoying when, when people suddenly make a topic about them and you're like yes well, it's, it's so weird i started off trying to tell you something and all of a sudden it's about you um, just focusing on the eyes yeah yeah <laughs> uh, now, now that now that i've said it i apologize because yeah. that might be something you hear <laughs> all the time and there are uh, yeah, there are certain like uh, there are certain keywords that I know when I re-listen to content. Mm. Like, I hate the term "like." Yeah, unless it's a comparator, <laughs> I hate "like," and I'm almost almost want to issue challenges to a podcast. Yeah, I will. I will donate. You started last episode. You had thirteen likes in five <laughs> minutes. If you cut that down to five, I'll donate ten dollars to a charity. Something along those Jeez. lines. <laughs> I say like all the time. Life. I feel a personal yeah. attack right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's it's, it's something. No, no, it's, it's something I'm aware mm. of. Like, it, uh, like mm. that's one of the things that's cool about like rec recording yourself, and then like mm -hmm. listening back to it, you realize you have all these like verb like 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 <laughs> these verbal texts, um, and you you wonder like. It, like 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 what are other people <laughs> yeah like <laughs> what are what other people like you see other people's version of of what you might sound mm. like um uh, that's mm. not necessarily in your head because yeah you, you you feel everything, like you um projecting something i honestly else, believe yeah. that everything that comes out of my mouth is golden it was a perfect <laughs> sentence the first time and then i go back and listen to it and 
Oh, I cringe. Now, going back to like the first five years ago when we started doing podcasts, listening to them now, I it it's like nails down a chalkboard. I cringe. <laughs> But yeah. these were the things that I did at the start. I might listen to, I might think the content was great and the content from the other side, the person I'm interviewing was great. My performance, crap. My performance was garbage. <laughs> so it's, uh, you, you need to be, you need to be willing to, to take that self-examination and build from it. You stop biting yourself in the ass when you ask those kinds of, just looking at yourself more. Interesting. That's it. Well, That's I, it. I have not said like <laughs> once. But still, I <laughs> I, I like, like like I like saying like. Thank <laughs> you. Anyway, so it's cool. Listen, if it's a if it's a if it's your own verbal if it's your own verbal thing and so what your way of communicating mm. above above everything is to be authentic. Yeah, don't mm. change yourself. Don't, mm. don't change yourself. You might find that there are things that you might want to improve on, you might want to get better at, mm. and that's cool. But if you're looking for people, you're putting content out there, it's got to be authentic content because people really can spot fakes very, very quickly. Yeah. Then the, the wall of flame that is the internet comes down upon those people <laughs> very, very quickly. Yeah. So, so authenticity so above all. Yeah, this is advice for all of you guys watching this this kind of a scene, this podcast, streaming, anything, anything. like that. Just don't be fake. Don't be fake. You know, dragon. Yes. Authenticity above all. Yes. But it's kept. it's coming from a dragon. It's obviously wisdom. Yeah, of exactly. And it's kept. She, she she is the MSR dragon today. She is lucky. I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. Lucky the dragon, that is. But anyway, continue with the questions. Um, yes, sorry. I apologize. I, I tend to... No, it was, was, was a good tangent. It was a good tangent. Never best, apologize. Best digression. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> you started. I'm sure, I'm sure people out there loved it. <laughs> anyway, so we've obviously just spoken about the... the that's going on, all the events being cancelled. Um, with this pandemic going on, do you think anything's going to bounce back? Do you think any of the, do you think South African smaller. con or like all of the smaller cons are going to bounce back? Yes. <laughs> with, Straight on. With, uh, with a, all right. It's not the conventions I'm worried about. Yeah. It's the artist alley. It's Wait, the smaller you. content creators mm. who now no longer have the ability to. So I'm just gonna. I need. To, I need to cough. I'm not sick. I've just got something in my throat. I'm just gonna mute myself. <laughs> Calling the COVID. And you can't get infected with whatever it is. <laughs> because this is this is digital. There is a horror movie to that effect, but no. Hello, Ramaphosa. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. The. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> Wait, that's, yeah. So part of part of the the nature of the uh, let's let's deal with South Africa. Part of the nature of the South African scene over the last couple of years has been the flux that certain big events have caused. 
Um, but I don't know if you saw that Rage this year changed its dates. Mm. Yeah. And part of that was the the necessity to give a gap, especially around artist alley people who are making cool things, but they're often handcrafted. Mm-hmm. They do not have a window. They did not have a window between major events to resupply. Restock, yeah. So now if these things were staggered through the year and there was a a time frame where you could step back and and replenish, that would be much better. The 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 scope the the play space in South Africa for conventions um, was odd. I mean, there was a bit of jostling around. Icon shifted uh, due to factors we've already discussed with uh, with Jonathan. Actually, um, Icon shifted, FanCon shifted. Then there's another convention at the start of the year. Then there's this convention here. Now these two conventions at the back end of the year. The the South African convention scene was already in a state of flux a little bit anyway. Mm. Um, it already started seeing certain levels of attrition. There were smaller cons that I didn't see any mention of this year that ran last year. Um, I know Dark Carnival took a break due to change of ownership. So, but that that's acceptable. But there were a couple of other smaller conventions that I didn't hear anything from at all so i don't know if they just stopped or whatever so the sa sim was already in a state of flux and now nobody's doing anything nobody can do anything so the people who organize the conventions the conventions can be okay um so all right let me preface that San Diego comic-con you all know that San Diego comic-con has been cancelled San Diego comic-con has a bank account separate to all of its other finances that has $25 million sitting in it. Every year, it's got that money sitting in it purely in case of cancellation. Yeah. Now this year, they have to use it. <laughs> yeah. And that's it's public. It's Well, it's relatively public knowledge insofar as CCI, the people behind Comic-Con in San Diego and WonderCon, is a non-profit organization. One of the rules around non-profits is that you must publish certain financial information, like salaries of directors. So there's a lot of financial information that can be made that is made available around CCI, and in the industry, multiple people knew. They've got this account that pays out everybody. 25 bar, everybody's paid out, we're free and clear, we don't have to worry about it, we can come back next year. Yeah. Certain bigger events, if they're privately funded, if they're privately run by like a small company, uh, they their cash flow is going to take a hit. Mm. So whether they can bounce back, because oftentimes these events provide the cash flow for a company for a year to get through to the next event. And that's the way with the Artist Alley people as well. There A lot of these events where, I mean, 70,000 people at Comic-Con Africa. A, for a artist alley person, that's a massive opportunity to turn over a lot of stock and get them through for the next few months. And a lot of them are working. And these are people who might be doing this as a, as a side hustle, which I thoroughly endorse. 
you need this to get through from one event to another. The events themselves, the big, uh, big scale events generally have some financing behind them. Uh, privately owned events, people can come back to it. They're not the people I'm worried about. It's the creators and the artist alley people who are going to be hit incredibly hard. Um, if they are able to sell some stuff online, they can't get stuff to replace it. So yeah, that that is more what I'm worried about. And unfortunately, a lot of those people, this is their side hustle, so it's not a formal company. And because it's not formal, they're excluded from a lot of the government, mon uh, government money. That sucks. It does suck, yeah. That's terrible. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> nice. This is a nice segue. Actually, it works very well. Um, okay. Talking about talking about artist alleys and, and um, how how people are struggling in that in that aspect. I would like to know what is the future of Icon with all of this happening. What is the future of Icon? I mean, you know, Icon by the Sea and this. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, we know that obviously you guys aren't going to do anything this year, but. Do you are you going to be able to like to restart Icon again next year? Are you be able to push it and and uh, show the rest of the geek community that you know you are still there and that everyone is still available to or everyone can still come and see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, sorry. And what are sorry, the plans? Yes, sorry. Well, and, and on top of that, what are the future plans? When sure. when and if Icon comes back, what are the future sure. plans for for you? Okay. In twenty. In 2016, we we decided to go larger, make it uh, much more of a convention-style event, uh, because that was needed. It just so happened at the same time in Cape Town, the FanCon guys, who are fabulous, also started panels, etc. So that that space started filling, and now there are large-scale events that meet that need that provide the international experience that we were helping to provide to people because it, it, was, it was just lacking. So what ICON will be doing is refocusing on what it's good at and, and that experience that people have of spending three days of gaming. There might be some panels. There will Actually, there will always be panels. Panels are something that's, that's just fun. Uh, it allows people to connect through uh, but Icon will be refocusing on the things that it does well and what it's good at and leveraging those those points. Icon has long been the, the home for like the Settlers of Catan competition, the national championships. The last couple of years, it's been shared around with a couple of other um, organizations, but we've long been the home of the national championship for board games, for card games, those sorts of things. So we've so, some new games and stuff coming, like new board games that you're going to Well, we've got, we've got ideas as to how we can start leveraging that idea. Now, we've got a great relationship because Outer Limits was always a part of Icon. Outer Limits was a key reseller for Solarpop and for, well, it used to be Sky Castle Games, Board Games SA, and now it's Solarpop. They've amalgamated. So Icon was, and actually... Giannis, that's one of my keywords. So I hate it. I <laughs> hate it. Post production, please edit out all of my so's. <laughs> Remove all the so's. Okay. Yeah. I, Icon has those relationships, 
and we need to leverage into that more and provide those opportunities around the things that icon's good at yeah awesome it's really it's, it's believe me les you have no idea how awesome this because um going back to icon what icon was is like it has been a dream of mine for a very long time kiz's dad uh before he passed also said that he always want icon to return to what yeah, it used to be. Yeah, he took us to our very first icon. Yeah, he actually was the the one who introduced us to our very first icon. So, um, but regardless of that, he actually would have, you know, if anything, he would want icon to return to its former glory uh, of board games, Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Warhammer. <laughs> Especially Warhammer. He loved his Warhammer. We made, uh, in 2016, 2017, when we were at Gallagher Convention Center, we made that a focus. We made it a focal point because it's very visual. So we had the tables there in the middle for people to walk around. And in 2016, it, it, it worked really, really well, and in 2017. Um, the last couple of years, it's, it's more been logistical issues about how we could have showcased things uh, with Empress Palace. And we're learning lessons all the time with how best to use Empress as a venue. Um, yeah. and what we should be doing there. So the first year, just through a, a missed opportunity, we were in the red sheds, which was cool, but we knew where we wanted to be and we wanted to be inside. And then we changed the date to Easter. So one of the things about, um, about experimentation, about trying to find solutions, you can't make too many changes at once because then you don't know what the problem was change a little bit at a time okay cool we moved inside all right but the date changed so now we shouldn't have done that but it was from a specific point of view it was from a it was an invitation emperors to to move to that date to try that out so we've been we know where we would like to overperform yeah if that if that works uh we would like to overperform in certain areas and be that icon that everybody enjoys coming to and everybody has a great time and there are the dodgy dogs and the bottomless coffee the bottomless coffee uh when, bottomless coffee gotta have it yeah at the end at, it's 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 been an icon staple unfortunately moving to like formal convention houses uh convention events you can't have bottomless coffee because you have to pay the convention venue for that and that's not a tin of Rick coffee on a table over there. No. It's a little bit different. So these, every time we've tried to do something and do something new, we've learned a little bit more. So we were aiming for a more back to the roots, but at scale um, event for this year. So unfortunately COVID-19 is, is a factor. We're going to try and same thing with Icon by the Sea. Icon by the Sea definitely coming back. Uh, we just needed time to reset and rethink, um, and that's what we've chosen to do now. Oh, that's that's really awesome. Now, with the with, with the dates for Icon though, uh, or Icon Jogo, uh, are you going to have it over? Obviously, next year over East uh, to a different date so that you don't get uh, nailed by the ranch show. <laughs> Easter was a disaster. Um, for a couple of reasons. Um, in 2017, when Icon was at Gallagher Convention Center, we wanted to play, and, and a lot of this were, is on me from, a, from my, my heritage, my convention heritage. 
in Australia, there's multiple public holidays and they always put try to have the public holiday scheduled around a weekend to give you the long weekend. So in Australia, a lot of the conventions that I attended when I was in my teens and early 20s were three-day events because the public holiday was either on the Friday or the Monday. So it's always been a, a, a thing for me to try and get that public holiday. Part of the problem is that the public holiday that South Africa works on a monthly pay cycle. In Oz, it's either on a week or a fortnight, so you can have these regular things. But running an event on a certain weekend to try and get a public holiday, there's a number of logistical factors that affect this. The public holiday that we picked in uh, 2017 happened to be Father's Day. And people went and spent time with their families. Mm. You can't fault that. No. Easter was also a lot of people went away. Uh, a lot of people go away. A lot of the regulars that would have gone to Icon went away. So we did not get anywhere near the numbers that we normally get um, at an Icon. So we said to Empress, thank you, thank you very much for the opportunity to run an Easter event. No, no, we will not be running Never in again. Easter ever again. Never. <laughs> Never again. Now, the idea of moving it into uh, back into the middle of the year, there's FanCon has made that shift um, to the middle of the year. Uh, there is Comic-Con Cape Town now, who is... We can discuss their date selection at another time, but they aimed for the end of April with the RAND show. Uh, the RAND show is a very good opportunity for World Cosplay Summit to be in front of more people. As, as good as Icon could ever be, it won't get 200,000 people, no. which is what the RAND show gets. Yeah. So putting my World Cosplay Summit ambassador hat on, I need to do the best thing for that. And having a chat to Michael James, the people behind NAG who were helping Rancho upskill, it was a it was kind of an easy transition. That's the right. World Cosplay Summit was better served to be at a wider audience because that's what it's for. It's a performance. So, but uh, Icon will not be running over the Easter weekend as long as I am involved. Yes. <laughs> on on that point of you know things changing with with conventions and things, uh, we brought sure. this up in the podcast. Uh, before when we're talking to different well, people from different angles you know uh, vendors versus creators and, and that sort of thing and the topic of actually niching down differently um, comes up and it is something that I think about uh, now that the geek culture community is growing bigger and it's getting bigger every year what about the idea of just having conventions around a specific niche and not trying to cover everything because the bigger conventions they have the money to pull off being able to cover everything but the smaller ones are getting out competed on that level so what about having a, a conventions that are just dungeons and dragons just card games just cosplay and nothing else do you think we'll have that that's, anytime soon that's pretty much you're nailing on the head the ideas that we've had around icon going back to our roots and reinforcing those and making sure that those are strong. Uh, niching has pluses and minuses. You want a successful event, but you also want foot traffic. Mm. Niching 
the South African community, geek community, is small. Still too small. <laughs> it's yeah. small. You have any idea the, when it might be big enough? <laughs> see, Comic Con, Comic Con is has an appeal that's large enough and broad enough for mm. everybody. One of uh, you mentioned before one of the issues that you have. One of the issues that I had when I'm doing my uh, business consulting type thing. Mm. If you tell somebody, are you um, are you a Game of Thrones fan? And they go, oh, I'm, I'm not a geek. Okay, but do you like Game of Thrones? Yes, I like Game of Thrones. Well, then actually you are a fantasy geek. You just mm. don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> do you go and watch the Avengers movie? Yeah. Then you're a comic book geek. You just know it. Pippa Shabalala has a very nice, um, a very nice point of view. Every single person is a gamer. Every person in the world is a gamer. They just need to find the right game. Mm. Once you find the right game, you will play that game. I mean, Candy Crush. How the hell does Candy Crush make billions and billions of dollars? <laughs> How does Angry Birds make yeah. billions and billions of dollars? You've just got to find the right thing. And that's part of what Comic-Con can do. Comic-Con at scale can say, hey, come and try these things out. Mm. And because of Big Bang Theory, like uh, a, mm. a, funny, a, uh, a funny digression. Uh, a few years ago, I got to, I donated to the Kickstarter for Will Wheaton to help with his board game TV show. Mm. And uh, the girlfriend and I donated to his Kickstarter, and the benefit that we got was that if, if we were at Gen Con in Indianapolis that year, we would be invited to lunch and play board games with Will Wheaton and his wife. And <laughs> there, which was very cool. Yeah. So. I call my mum in Australia and we're, we're having a chat and she says, so what are you doing? I said, we're about to go over to Indianapolis. Um, and she said, oh, what are you doing there? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to Gen Con, which is a convention, but I'm going to play board games with Will Wheaton. And she said, oh, that'll be lovely. Now, my mother was born in Tamworth in New South Wales. It's a country town. Um, think Ermelo type city <laughs> my mother is not a geek at all and i said to her mom how the hell do you know who will wheaton is and she said he's the guy that sheldon doesn't like <laughs> <laughs> sheldon's arch nemesis yeah. <laughs> yeah now that means that people who people who are not geeks people who are not geeks are watching big bang theory and are being exposed to the comic shop they're being exposed to the T-shirts that Sheldon wears. They're being exposed to all of these things. They may not think they're geeks, but a larger event like Comic-Con is a good opportunity for people to go in and experience these cultural things mm. uh, and then to maybe be exposed to somebody like doing cosplay. So the niching is one thing, uh, and there can be, there can be credit in making something for a specific audience but the south african geek community you couldn't run twitchcon here you no, couldn't run yet, no. a youtube convention here uh it's not the the scale is not correct we might have 55 60 million people here 
but the subsets to drill down to your geek community, the numbers are not there. Plus, you also got to look at whether things will be too full. South Africans cannot afford, South African geeks cannot afford an event every two months. No. 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 I don't think that South Africa and geeks can afford five major events in a year. No. Because if you take, take, take away Christmas, so that's like November, December out. January, nothing's going to happen anyway. So now you're down to nine months of the year. To put four major events in that space is then one every two months. Hmm. You can have a smaller event, smaller niche events, absolutely. But the economies of scale is that you're going to need foot traffic for that. How do you make that viable um, vert going virtual? Could very well work. Um, and then do it from a like a Patreon subscription tips model like you do on Twitch. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So there's no, there's absolutely no problem with somebody coming in with the idea of, a, of running a niche event. The logistics around it and the ability to make it um, worthwhile and profitable Viability, yeah. is another thing entirely. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, like, so, it puts, so, it puts, when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, it's really difficult. Um, yeah. And the numbers just don't work out. Yeah. And so it was uh, the geek of all trades guys do. I apologize. I'm, I ramble. I give a lot of. No, it's interesting. Stuff. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the geek of all trades guys um, are very kind mm. enough to ask Vittorio and I each year to come back and do a prognostication podcast. So their December episode is us taking a look at the year ahead, making guesses, and we turn it into a competition. Whoever gets their predictions right or wrong gets points, and we look at it at the end of the year. And for the first couple of years, it was one of my things was about how many conventions there are in South Africa. So one stage, you had Icon, you had Rage, you had Rush, you had Geekfest, you had multiple Comic Xs, you had uh, Connex in Port Elizabeth, you had FanCon in Cape Town, you've got, uh, they run another one in FanCon through the university. Um, Yukon, yeah. Yeah, Yukon. Yeah. So all of a sudden you start getting up to, and then there's the Medieval Fair, then there's all of these sub-events, and the calendar was just getting full. And it was it was great for um, for artist alley type people because they had a plethora of people, plethora of opportunities, but too much of that just is not sustainable. Now there's a couple of really, really big events throughout the course of the year. And when you're an artist alley person, you have the chance to promote to anywhere from 40 to 70,000 people, you're going to focus on that. So it changes, yeah, the dynamics. South Africa, unfortunately, a small country, it's got a smaller user base um, that's not very cash flush right now. So having, yeah, when you look at it from a, from a year-long schedule, it, it tends to get a bit messy. So in your spare time, what do you do when you're not in events or um, doing podcasts or laughing or anything like that? But before you answer the question, yeah, actually, okay. 
<laughs> so anyway, um, one of one of the guys that's constantly at your events, uh, Ziad from uh, Awadi Comics. Comics. He's always at your events. He's um, well now. He's always at your events. But uh, he was at your events. He's uh, one of the, the the comic book artists actually, um, and he was an artist earlier. He says he he mentions here that he met the coolest interviewer at Icon through that time. Obviously, uh, his name was Chris, and uh, they became they became an industry industry, which is in, in his opinion quite awesome. Uh, I suppose we 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 tend to agree agree with that. I mean, Icon's a lot of people. Yeah, you know, it helped the SA Geeks get to where we are. Uh, gave us gave us that leg up. Um, you were one of our very first yeah, interviews. Actually, <laughs> so it was it was a big thing for us. To start growing as a fair content creators. So it's yeah. nice that Icon does that. Yeah, I think it's a it's, it's a we we send out a big thank you to 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 you guys at Icon for actually giving the show off you know our skills if you want to call it that <laughs> that's right um so thank you very much for that for that comment that's it's kind of it's those sorts of things that make it worthwhile when mm. you get when you hear that hey i made a connection through this now i'm doing something cool now i'm doing something awesome and moving on that's that's a very cool thing um it uh, it warms my heart Thank you. <laughs> if he, if you were crying, none of you would ever know. Like, pixelated. You'll just no, I have a pixelated a tear. <laughs> can we put Yanis, can we put that in post, please? Just make me, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Make me not a robot. Make me cry. I've I've got I've got oh. some stock images of tears I can use. Oh nice. <laughs> okay, yeah. Unfortunately live on, on Twitch we can't do much of post. There's yeah. no such thing as post. Yeah, so and everyone's gonna see it because it's saved. Well, this is. So, what do you do in your spare time when you're not running around like a maniac, organizing events, doing, doing? Um. Uh, I don't chill a lot. Um, I wear multiple hats, and I consume a lot of media like a lot um whenever i'm sitting down and working i will have on my second monitor maybe like cnn streaming um i'll have other news sources streaming something going on listening and consuming a lot of a lot of content um where i where i where i am from a workspace is i've i like the I like being able to jump from project to project. Uh, I find it very difficult, the idea of going back to work for a boss. Um, <laughs> so I, and I have multiple projects on the go. There is a, um, and I apologize, I can't tell you any more about it, but there's a project that we put forward to a major movie studio that looks like it's getting some big traction. And if that mm -hmm. happens, then that's a, and, and it has to do with a, um, a superhero character. And if that comes off, then that's going to be a focus. And yeah, I've got multiple hats. So when I take one hat off, there's generally an opportunity for another hat to come on. 
Um, so I try to make, yeah, I try to make the things that I do fun and enjoyable. So downtime is the opportunity to do more fun and enjoyable (laughs) things. Yeah. So that's how you like avoid burnout. Essentially. You just keep changing stuff. So it's always fun. Oh yeah. About, about maybe once a month. I'll mm. take a I'll take a night where it's like no cool I'm gonna go to sleep now and sleep for twelve. I mm. sleep less than six hours a night. It's just um, it's just the way that I am. So mm. I'll go to bed past midnight, be up mm, around six ish, um, and then get up. And it's the consumption of media, the consumption of what's going on in the world. How are these things affecting uh, everything else? I love the interconnectedness of things and how things play on from from one thing to another um which which helps when i go into consulting that i i can find hooks to relate things to it makes it uh, it makes it a lot easier so i enjoy that and i rarely get like i won't take a day off to watch the cricket i'll have the cricket on the tv <laughs> while i'm doing something else Right. <laughs> what is one thing that not many people or anyone well um so this comes back to the hair um at one stage i had hair three quarters of the way down my back <laughs> i had long <laughs> i had long hair i had long hair the problem is but I also had the the circular beard. It's, I, I I should just call it a bocky. It's not a bocky. It's it's a circular beard. Um, so I had the circular beard and I had the hair, and I'm a big guy. I looked like the cowardly lion. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So there was at one point. Yeah, there was one point for a few years. I just grew it out. And then I went, no, I'm getting my hair cut. So I got it trimmed to like a proper haircut, and that lasted two days. And I went, no, shave it. And I have shaved ever since. I've never let it go longer than a couple of weeks without clippers or a shave. And COVID 19s killing me. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm about to get a. Sorry? I take my own hair off. <laughs> I I used to. I used to have clippers, and then there's um just near just near where I live, there's a, a small barber shop. The guy with, there was an Egyptian guy that that uh, that ran it, and he would do hot towel shaves. And oh, I, straight dress it to your head. And he did it for 120 bucks. That's... It was 120 rand. He was professional. It was hot towel. Uh, you know what? I can spare 100 120 bucks once every two weeks to go and support somebody to do this. Yeah. And now it's the guys, um, there was a change of ownership. The guys I walk in there now and they don't do the hot towel, but they make sure that everything's done correctly. Um, so I'll sit there and I'll just, I close my eyes. Don't sleep. I just close my eyes. I let them do their thing and that's 70 bucks. So now I just give them the hundred and give them that tip. And that's something I do every two weeks. So it's 30 minutes in, done. I'm supporting somebody else. I mean, I could do it myself. It'd take half an hour to an hour anyway. 
Um, so rather just let these guys do it. Okay, makes sense. We don't have that kind of stuff here. I suppose I've never come across it. And also, I'm pretty sure they're quite expensive here. Yeah, well, you, yeah, the UK is a is a different breed. Yeah, we're probably looking at about fourteen pounds for a shave or something like that. No, I wouldn't what? be able to do that. Oh, ouch. Yeah, no. Okay. That's a bit mad. So I'll just mm. do it myself. So Awali sure. again says that um, Icon was also amazing because us. Um, he didn't expect us to be there, and he got an interview. But Icon is amazing. All the same, it helped him to meet people that he will know for many years and also on your consumption of media he says i often find myself trying to work and consume media if done right it's one of the benefits to working at home absolutely yeah um yes it's i uh, it's almost bad that um i've got i'm using my my headphones right now that the moment i step away from my desk to like go into the kitchen or do something the headphones go into the phone and I will watch MSNBC on my phone or leave it in my pocket while I'm doing something else. So I'm listening to the news. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to something. That's it's one of the benefits. And to Yanis's point from earlier, niche, you can find the thing that you like and however however bizarre however vanilla however mainstream it might be you can find there's been, never been more opportunities in the world for people to make content or for people to find the content that they want to consume and consume it and that's that's where i am now um my biggest problem is i keep looking at the math of how many hours i've got in a week and i like 30 different podcasts and they all have an hour a week you, yeah to, so sometimes you just want to appreciate something yeah. uh, sometimes you just need the background noise yeah sometimes you just got to cut down i think at one point I, I cut down all the way down to just joe rogan and that's just like the educational joe rogan yeah. <laughs> yeah. now and joe rogan sometimes that will go for two hours three hours sometimes yeah. yeah how how are you supposed to pay attention to three hours in your day <laughs> while you've got other things to do mm, mm. and that's just one show yeah just the one show <laughs> what else do we have from this so the, one of the things we we wanted to make sure of with release the geek is release the geeks origin was because i, I had a 45 minutes to an hour every day in traffic to and then from work so it was like an hour and a half to two hours where i could listen to the radio yay high felt yay 5fm yay whatever or i could download the stuff that i wanted to listen to on my phone and do it so the model for release the geek was always something you could consume in a trip to work so we try mm. to be about one hour that you might mm -hmm. listen to it and then maybe listen to a little bit on the way home. We try we try to aim for an hour, but if the conversation's good, then I'm gonna let it go. Like this one. Thank you. <laughs> Very kind. Right, so yeah, here's another another weird one for you. Have people ever asked you for free event tickets? Um, and if so, 
What is the silliest reason they've ever given? Mm, uh, okay, for Icon, no. For Icon, no. If people come to me with a request for tickets, it's usually for a good reason. Um, yeah, it's usually for a good reason. Like we've had, uh, last year at Icon, we had a young gent with severe health issues um, that we found out about. So turns out he was a big Green Lantern fan. So unbeknownst to his parents, so it was a friend of the family that got us in touch and said, look, this, this kid may not have much longer. Um, he really likes these things. Can you do something special for him? So we organized him to meet Sean Isaacs, Jason Masters, Ron Mars, and Ron signed a Green Lantern comic that Ron had written and handed to the kid. And that was, look, here, here are the tickets. Come in, just enjoy yourself. We generally don't just have chances. Um, somebody who comes in and says, uh, just give me free tickets. The people, will, people will generally have a reason for it. Um, one thing that we will be looking at a bit more closely is media, um, that we have a lot of content creators who are asking for tickets, but then we find that there's not necessarily content that they're posting around that. Like they get the ticket, but we haven't seen anything from now. The essay geeks have been fantastic. We've seen that the interviews you guys did with, with Vampy and with Raymond and from Icon where you got to chat to, um, uh, to run, etc. cetera. Uh, we've seen those, but there have been a couple of others who was like, oh, okay, I'm a blogger. Um, and we've checked afterwards and there hasn't been a single bit of content that's been generated from the event. So it's like, well, you know, all you, even just a blog would have been great. That's, that's yeah. why. But, uh, so we're going to potentially yeah. tighten that a bit up. Yeah. Well, that's not cool. I mean, we understand. And uh, obviously with, with us, sometimes, sometimes the event post, only because we have like, we're not the richest content creators in the world. So. We have technical issues, but it, it takes yeah. a while, but eventually. We always get them out though. We always get them. <laughs> within, yeah. within the next fiscal year, we will get the content yeah. out. <laughs> you know what? As long as it's before the, the opening of applications for the next, next event. Next <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I know that recently, I think it was the last, the last the hiccup because my computer just started to bomb on me. <laughs> Graphics oh, no. card, motherboard, CPU, hard drives, everything yeah. decided to stop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that was the reason why but our we content have, not we have the content. Oh, that's fine. It's sitting there waiting. I'll, I'll get to it, I promise. <laughs> Even me. Yeah. I don't yeah, think I posted right. anything from Rage. I need to edit all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. I'm sitting on I'm sitting on two pi I'm sitting on two pieces of content that from uh, Comic Con that I haven't just it's it's just not been the right time. It's we got to interview um, Nolan North and Trey Baker. Yeah, nice. I remember. So I got I got seven minutes of content, which is gold because the guys were great. Yeah. Um, and it's just not been. Like miss my window directly after Comic Con, so it's like, all right, cool. Where, how can I drop it to leverage it? Maybe look at New York Comic Con where they make the Avengers announcement about Kamala Khan, um, etc. It just hasn't been the right time, but I need to get over that and just put it out. Yeah, just do it. 
Going naked. Indeed. <laughs> Actually, it would be sued if we said that now. <laughs> what is... Uh, no. Who is your most favorite person that you have met in the geek industry and why? Uh, it's, it's a, Why must you put the man on the spot like this? Why? I, I can't. <laughs> Kids I likes can't, to see see people squirm <laughs> with this question. I can't. It's it's uh, okay. Um, it's really really tough to pick one. Um, it's really tough to pick one, and and I apologize. I I I hate sometimes um, sharing a lot of this stuff in that it makes it sound like I'm showing off. Mm. I've just been really, really lucky with how I've managed to manage to do certain things. So like Raymond Feist, um, Ray, uh, so I met Ray here in South Africa at a book signing and said, look, I've just started this podcast. Would you do it? And he said, well, I'm actually flying out tomorrow. So no. But if you're ever in San Diego, let me know. So he gave me his card. And it just so happened that three months later, myself and Vittorio were in Los Angeles. And I dropped him out. Now, San Diego is a two-hour drive down the coast, down the one from LA down. I said, all right, Vic, we're going to rent a car. We're going to drive down to San Diego. We're going to interview Raymond Feist. Right. This, I, this is the guy that got me into fantasy. I, I I devoured his books. I devoured these characters. And now I was going to sit down and spend some time talking to the guy. And during that, we talked about Australian rules football because he's a fan. He We met at a hotel, in the foyer of a hotel. He walked in with a Springbok jersey on just, <laughs> to, make sure, just to make sure we knew it was him. I mean, you, yeah. Um, and we did this entire interview, and it was great. And at the end of it, um, he said, well, I'm hungry. Do you want lunch? It's like, yeah. Go back and listen to that interview. At the end of it, we stopped and had burgers. Now I'm eating burgers with the guy. Hmm. And now it's... And there have been multiple interactions like that where I've met somebody who's a, that I'm a fan of and we've just had great conversations. But probably number one would be Rob Salkovitz. So Rob has been a guest on the podcast a couple of times. He was a guest at Icon last year. He's an he's a industry guy. He's a He wrote a book about the business of Comic-Con and pop culture. Now, we flew him out as a guest to, to Icon last year. We took him and his wife out to Kruger National Park. Afterwards, they had an amazing time. When I go to a convention and Rob's there, then it's, hey, Les, you need to meet so-and-so. You need to meet so-and-so. You need to meet so-and-so. That 
people locally think I might be well connected, that I know a guy or know a guy or know a girl, know a girl, and make these connections. Rob's at another level. At another level. <laughs> I have met people in the industry because of Rob going, oh, Les, Les runs a convention in South Africa. Here, um, here's Ted Adams, the guy um, uh, behind some of the biggest, uh, uh, he's a comic book publisher, um, IDW. Yeah, so Ted Adams started IDW. Hey, Les, here's Ted. Ted's a friend. Say hi. And we had a drink. And then it's, oh, here's so-and-so. Oh, here's so-and-so. Yeah, he's a guy that um, I'm incredibly fortunate to know, but he's also very generous with his connections as well. That's really awesome. So, so Zia has asked a question. Featured creator, uh, comma, and announce creator. I'm assuming that he, he meant or announce. Sorry. Um, so, uh, can I just get you to repeat that? It just broke up a little bit. Is that. Uh... Okay, well, Zia says, what does it take to become a featured creator, comma, and announced creator? I think he might have meant back. Oh, to be an announced an announced guest. I think so. I think so. Okay, that is that's I think that's kind of where where they might be going. Um, generally, it involves being on a panel. If they're on a panel, then they're going to be in the panel schedule. Then we need to create a profile for that person um, so that they would be declared a guest, somebody who is there as a yeah, somebody who is there as a um, as an artist alley person um, is a vendor, technically. Well, no, not even technically. They are a vendor. Um, so they're not necessarily a guest because anybody can be a vendor. Uh, to be an announced person would be a panel. There's no problem submitting panel ideas. If you've got something out and you say, look, I would like an opportunity to showcase, generally we'll find a panel. Um, We've done that with uh, Sarah Blue Publishing multiple times. They've done a lot of writers' workshops. They said, Les, we've got a new book coming. Can we promote the author there? Absolutely. We'll find a spot. Um, that's the difference between somebody who attends as a vendor and somebody who can become an announced guest. I hope that helps. Shout out to Sarah Blue. I dig those guys there. Whoa! Holy crap, dude. What happened to your voice? What happened? You're on full Barry White. No, you you're coming through loud and clear and deep, my son. Booming tune. How about now? <laughs> no, you're not coming through at all. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> I think it's time to end the stream. Yes, geeks and geek-inspired podcast never fail to disappoint. <laughs> It's not a jinx. I think that we should... We're just like another podcast. Now we're the Technical Difficulties Geek Inspired Podcast. Like I said, these are always the things that you remember. Um, <laughs> I've had, I had multiple podcasts. I've had multiple <laughs> podcasts go extremely well, but the ones where there was a difficulty, like we interviewed Dave DeBerg, had a mug and bean in Pretoria, but we were right next to the cat, uh, to the coffee machine. Oh dear. So I had to tell my sound guy, I'm so sorry, but this was the best that we could. Ah, oh, okay, cool. When 
when there's a <laughs> when there's an issue that's overcome, that's when the cool stories happen, and that's yeah, what makes the better memories. You you'll remember you'll remember the days of the technical difficulties, and that's then an in joke. Mm. to people who are watching <laughs> hey remember the days of the technical the technical issue mm. yeah it makes sense uh, just reading sorry we're just reading it says uh okay that's awesome and would likely want to be part of that Trump. especially with the fact that uh, he has ideas running around to work with sarah blue on something mm -hmm. i think solid yet though um, but they are his number one choice for publishing. Excellent. Mm. So, Excellent. We've done we've done very cool things with uh, with Sarah Blue um, at 2016 Icon. Um, Sarah Blue's first main competition that if you bought a copy of their uh, their book Crimson Skies, you could submit a story idea and they would publish it. They picked the winner to publish, and that was Jason. Um, Jason's story, uh, Her Immaculate he was the winner of the competition so in 2017 there was another panel about that process yeah. and we had jason as a as a uh, as a guest on the podcast as well so if you've got an idea for a panel now when it's um it doesn't have to be self-promotion of your work you could think up a panel going how do i get into podcasting so it's a technical panel how do i get into writing it's a technical panel you could share, look to share information rather than self-promote. At the end of the panel, you can definitely self-promote. That's not a problem. Uh, but look to provide an informative panel first. Yeah, that's so true. You know, that was something that Kez and I were actually wanting to. Well, I think we discussed we'll discuss it. With it. You. Yeah, we discussed it. With no, um, then we'll discuss it afterwards. But we will discuss afterwards as well about it. But uh, you viewers will just have to figure it out. So, it's as simple as that. Ah, 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 ah. What's that? Sorry, that uh, it's just broken up there. Is there anything else? We've covered pretty much all the questions. I think uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Uh, it's been really fun talking to Les. He's very uh, clued up. and I probably could talk to him for another five hours, but I'm dying here because <laughs> it's really hot. <laughs> oh, no, turn your fan on. You I did. Oh, no, I did. On. I did. It is on. Okay. Yeah. Liz, from um, no, thank you so much for asking me to to be a guest. I, I very much appreciate it. It's um, uh, yeah. It's I I don't often think about being on the other side of mm. <laughs> the interview. Uh, yeah. Well, now now it's time for you to punt your. Uh... No, we're we're not finished. Oh, wait, we're not yet. finished. Video. Oh right, we have to. Oh. There's a featured oh. video that uh, we promised all the fans and Les, you can see it for the first time as well. Excellent. Um, we promised we promised you guys a video from us at Swadesh. Yeah, after Rage. Uh, after Rage, uh, just before obviously Les and myself Scotland, we 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 sent a, we were recorded a whole video and Tunes has edited it. Somewhat. It's not fully edited. It's mm. not fully edited yet, but it's still um, a work in progress. It's still very funny. It's it's tunes as Jonathan Cregan, Bish, and um, Zaid. 
Mm. Can I? Can you guys um, like view it on the YouTube stream? Because it'll be easy for me to do it through there. Can, I don't know. Can we overlay it? Uh, I don't know. You want to go and see if you can overlay yeah. it? I'll, I'll, I'll certainly entertain the people. Chat to it. Yes. But um, okay. So it looks like. What you do, Angel? They're trying to beam to each other. Um, so punch yourself, Liz. Yes, Liz, punch your punch your channel while we're trying to get sorted. <laughs> Probably the uh, the main thing would be release the geek. Uh, release the geek dot net. Uh, we host two podcasts there. One is release the geek. Um, last week we dropped a. Um, uh, a panel from Icon 2018 with Jason Masters, where Jason, Jason, Johannesburg-based artist, is currently killing it on Captain America. Uh, he was selected by Warren Ellis to draw James Bond and was approved by the James Bond estate. So uh, Jason's an amazing artist, and he did a panel at Icon 2018 where he took uh, Warren Ellis's script and he showed us how he did the script and converted it to the artwork. So it's storytelling and pictures. That was the episode we dropped uh, last week. There's an episode with Donnie Cates there. We've got a couple of cosplayers, Annalise Kent. Uh, so all 150 episodes, 150 plus episodes of Release the Geek are there. You'll also find Vittorio Leonardi's podcast on urbane myths. He's a very big uh, urban myths fan. So he's been going through some of South Africa's more well-known urban myths speaking to a couple of urban myth identities you can find those episodes there as well so that's releasethegeek.net uh you can follow us on twitter gxpza um and geekxp on facebook you go anywhere else um you're not on twitch or anything are you i am not on twitch i do not think anybody needs to watch me do anything live <laughs> uh, <laughs> except this <laughs> Except this, but this is you guys. This is this is not me. This you have no choice. You're alive. This I have no choice. Is it kids trying to start the video at the moment? Do you want to post the link, the YouTube link in here in Discord, so I can grab that? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we'll drop that in the Discord. Um, no, we don't know how to do it. Now. We don't know how to do the video. Now. Okay. Can't do it on your end. Um, then just view it. You'll have to view it through the through the, through the YouTube stream, and then my OBS will yeah. switch over to the to the video, and then we can watch it. So you guys give commentary on the on on this stream while the YouTube stream shows the video. And then right. that's the only way we can actually do that. Yeah, it's gonna come up. Oh, it's going to come up in history. You can have the commentary then, Andrew. You're going to have to jump. This is the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting, this is the director's cut. <laughs> oh. just, well, not yet. The raw really? cut. Oh, shit. They actually, that's what it does. Watch, watch. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. Yeah, we're ready. Okay. Nice. I'm going to switch the scene over. It might take a few seconds. Mm. 
That's the running joke. Like I made all the charo tunes like English. Yeah, I've never had this. You've never had soju in your life. No, this this you never had soju in your whole damn life. Soju in my life, but not like this artisanal soju. This is some like chef level shit, bro. Look at that texture. Look at that. All of us have never eaten soju like that before. Tastes like sweet. 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 Hot, just like hot, hot, you know, like heat hot. Like heat hot, yeah. Like, what was with the pinky with the spoon? Just delicate. Yeah. What was that? Because if you need to get artisanal surgery, you need to do it in a delicate way. You need to eat it in the artisanal way. Had I had I been a little more arrogant, I would have said something from Bay. But um, that's just me. Uh, I, I actually don't know. I'm going to hand it over to my friend Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, probably in a week. I still got a lot of fancy editing to do. I don't know. That would confuse me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Only afterwards I got it. What is a meat I'm going to guess it's an explosively spicy duck dish. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let Yanis Ovea tell you guys at home what it is. Because I won't have the courage to say it on camera. And because it's from the motherland. Chat's what? You know your mother is cooking Bobby Crush when they come home. But we'll leave that for another episode. Yeah, President was saying people thought we were like famous people. Two roads away, you can tell. Because we took over the restaurant. Because that shit stinks. Yeah, we just like bully the place. Don't die on me. Zayn is dying. Zayn almost died. Your mother probably made a bit of rice. 
she made a, a tomato chutney. We just cut it open. Uh, if you cook fruit, it's like chutney, right? To get technical. And then she also made this salty, very, very, I would say cured oh, that fish. Was, that was the day. Oh, okay. Bonus question, Ross. Yes. Yeah. If I ask you, because of Jack from the boots, what do you think I'm referring to? <laughs> Yo, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, I hit you with a jack in the boot. I'm not going to ask you if you've got a jack in the boot. What am I referring to? Oh, yeah. The first thing I'm going to think of is, well, I've got a jack in the boot. Well, you're going to find out now. Let's put it to you. Sean, you can tell us. It's not the perfect name for it, too. Hey, I'm called John now. You've got a jack in the boot. In your own words. Oh, you. I went to the more, the more, due to the car kind of, but normally, uh, but in Chatsworth, that's not what he means. Would you like to call him? He has the bread. He's got something in his mouth. 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 He's got that is good. <laughs> what you mean? Jack Daniels, bro. Jack Daniels. Preferably Jack Daniels. A very strong alcoholic drink. How many times do you all have cheap alcohols in our kids? You never. 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 You Paper cups and the Jack Daniels are pours it out for everybody. Couple, like of, a couple of gentlemen, Indian gentlemen I worked with at, uh, at Pasta. Uh, there was a bottle of Jamison and the styrofoam cups permanently in the booth. Yeah, yeah. I love that end off though, it was quite funny. It was funny. <laughs> like Zay just shut you down, it was hilarious. I'm going to shoot some Scottish questions. Oh, 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 shit! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so did Les tell us where, you can, where we can find him on the internet and stuff? Yes, he did. He said it while right. we were trying to get the going. Well, you can find me at Geekoscopy. It's right here. Yeah, there. You can find our Tunesy where he at Kikoscopy everywhere. That's relevant. Yeah. Find us as is a everywhere. Just look for that pretty purple logo. Yeah, you can see the pretty purple logo at the bottom of the screen. Look for that. Look for Kikoscopy the same way. You know how it works, guys. Come on. Google, man. Use Social Google. Media, everyone knows. Use Google. Right. Google is your friend. Yeah, Google. No, Google is your friend. Exactly. Just type in the big S, big A, big G. Big <laughs> That was a good one. That was a good one. What can I say? I'm a pro at this. <laughs> you can anyway, type in XP, you can type in Geekoscopy, you can type in everything. You can type in Geekoscopy. Geekoscopy. <laughs> but anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching us this evening, this afternoon. Uh, for us, like the light is out there. So. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for watching us. We do appreciate it as always. You know how it works. It's just the way it goes. Um, it's nice to actually have you guys watching us. Thank you questions. for joining Les, us. thank you so much for it's it's thank you. It's been, yeah, it's been real. Huh? It's been real. Yeah. Thank you very, 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 very much cool for chance. the invitation. I appreciate yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and even though we live in South Africa, I've still got... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you just cut out so we can't hear anything yeah. <laughs> it was just it. blank uh, <laughs> let's try that again even though we live in scotland i still have a south african accent huh? you know, is it, uh, is it, uh, yeah. anyway guys thank you for watching and as always remember keep it kiki bye i'm gonna wave like this until case closes the stream <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my pet to take thumbs up. Pretend you're frozen.